0: Welcome into a brand new episode of 300 Yards to Unknown. I'm Rick Gaiman, and in this episode, I'm joined by Andy Lack to give you a way-too-early major preview. Andy has been diving into the venues that we are going to have host major championships this year, so we'll talk through the unique aspects of each one and provide a couple of golfers who might find success in this year's majors. I hope you enjoy. Let me welcome in Andy Lack, and Andy, you and I get to chat early and often. I always enjoy our conversations on the scramble, but I thought there would be no better person than to to, to do a way too early major championship preview than you, my friend, because I know you've been deep diving this stuff and I am excited to pick your brain.
1: Yeah. For for better or worse, Rick, at (laughs) 13, 14 years old, I was asking my parents for coffee table books on the uh, history of Golden Age architecture uh, for Christmas, I spend a lot of time, more than I would like to admit, on the Golf Club Atlas uh, user forum. Um, its a uh, It has become a bit of a passion for me, um, and I am overjoyed to talk to you about some of the major venues this year because we get some really, really interesting courses that are nothing like what we saw last year.
0: Yes, I'm I'm thrilled with the group of courses that we have. Let, let's just jump right into this. We'll go in order. The Masters, it's Augusta National. This is obviously the one that we are most familiar with. We have seen uh, kind of small changes over time, but I can't imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, there's going to be any major differences in the 2022 edition of the Masters uh, course-wise than we saw from 2021.
1: So Tom Fazio is basically at this point in charge of Augusta and they're always tinkering a little bit. I think they are, I wouldn't be shocked. I've heard rumblings again. These are kind of, on forums people on golf club atlas forums
0: you know but, the way we get um, most of our augusta national updates are like drone shots of like or like google maps like this looks different on this hole They're, they must be up to something exactly <laughs>
1: like golf club architecture reddit is a interesting oh place that i advise no <laughs> one to ever visit um but no rick you're right there's not gonna be many changes if anything. I heard rumblings about moving the tee back a little bit on 11. Um, But no, Augusta is going to play for the most part, the same way that it has played for the last couple of years. The only thing that is really going to be a determining factor is um, how much rain that area gets Rick. Because as we saw with the November master masters that one year, it played completely different than how it was when it was allowed to bake out. And we even saw, Thursday and Friday this past year when Hideki won, it played really, really firm and fast on Thursday and Friday they got some rain midway through Saturday's round and it played much. That was when Hideki was just firing at pins. So it's really just going to come down to the rainfall, but no, this is the Augusta that everyone knows.
0: Which is really kind of one of the best parts about Augusta national. That's why it is the
1: biggest of the big boys is because we have
0: the history. Everybody knows the holes. It's the one that we get every single year, but it doesn't need to be constantly changed or quote, quote unquote improved, right? It just, it is what it is. It can be a test. Of course, the things that we cannot control, like weather can make the golf course easier, but it's there, there's just something special about it being able to be a challenge, um, not tipping it out at 8,000 yards or anything like that.
1: Yeah, m- uh, many of the purists would argue that it's already been changed too much and right. with Augusta I mean it, again making it 8,000 yards like that's not going to solve the problem making it um, play firm and fast like that is what is going to keep the scores down if they are even concerned about scores which I don't really know if they need to be um, but yes I think Rick basically the biggest thing about Augusta that I would say is it is the most predictive course in terms of course history, right? Correct. It is a yeah. very nuanced course, right? The greens are very nuanced players. Um, if you listen to players talk about it, right? And they talk about how it's kind of like this thing that they're always learning from and it's always, it's always teaching them. I've never heard players talk about a golf course, the way that they talk about Augusta. So I I think things that you may not to just jump into the odds boards a little bit, but a guy like Justin Thomas getting bones on the bag, who has, you know, has won three masters with Phil and knows that course, like the back of his hand, like that's a big deal. You you picked out the
0: guy. Well, one, one of two guys that I had bookmarked that I wanted to talk about. Justin Thomas, for me, because I get asked the question all the time, who's going to win the Masters, right? I want to know. And my default answer has basically been Justin Thomas for the Bones reason and also the fact that he's been getting better and better basically every year that he's played there. Now, we know he had that, uh, what, terrible hole on Saturday that kind of played himself out of it uh, recently. But outside of that, I mean, he's been trending in the right direction. And yeah, the experience, right? It's it's, it's hard to win in your first trip or your second trip or your third trip. But once you start learning those nuances and you have a veteran savvy guy like Bones on the bag, I, I think it's really, really valuable.
1: Yeah. And he's already, he's even talked about, he's going to make a trip or two with bones down there beforehand. And, you know, he's gotten a lot better at working the ball both ways. I think Augusta for the most part for a right-handed player favors a draw a little bit more than it favors a fade. And I used to, I used to worry about JT being able to hit a draw on command, but he's really figured out some of those tee shots. Like he talks about like on the 11th hole, like I hit a low driver like Mm -hmm. on the third. And that's kind of the level of knowledge that you have to have at Augusta. And I think Bones is only going to help increase that for him.
0: The other guy that I wanted to talk about was, of course, Bryson DeChambeau. And I feel like a lot of the Bryson transformation that we've seen over the last couple of years has been for this event. It has been to try to bring Augusta National to its knees. Now, we have not Seen that happen. Bryson still has uh, his own issues. Whether it is uh, greens reading books aside, you know he's going to try to do things that um, most humans will not try to do at Augusta National. He's going to try to play from some angles that a lot of guys have never played from before. So I I have no idea what to expect. I don't want to get into uh, prognosticating Bryson's chances just because I think it's um, so different than what we've seen before. But he's going to try to do this a different way here, Andy.
1: And, and I'm really, I think Bryson is going to figure out Augusta. I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but he's too smart of a guy. Augusta is Augusta is like a complex math equation, um, for many of these players. And, and I think if you give Bryson the time, he'll be able to figure out in theory, Rick, it's a really great course for him, right? Just if you're looking at a bird's eye view, you can hit a lot of drivers at Augusta, um, you know, it is a second shot golf course though. And, and Bryson's irons are going to need to be good. And one thing, if you, I was looking at the numbers for, for, uh, for Tori doing some Tory pine stuff already on Bryson and, you know, his short game's like really fallen off lately. Mm. Um, and that was something that he used to be pretty solid at, and it's just, maybe he's in a slump with it, but that's, that's really key at Augusta too, is, is you're going to, it's a more difficult course scrambling. so. I think Bryson has all the tools um, at kind of a macro level to succeed here. Again, don't know if it's going to come to fruition this year, but like you said, like the more experience that he gets, he'll, he'll figure it out. I'm pretty sure of it.
0: All right. Well, I hate to, this is one of the rare opportunities that we kind of gloss over Augusta National, but considering the fact that it's the most well-known of the courses that we are going to get uh, this time around, I think I want to move on to Southern Hill. So the PGA Championship, May 19th to the 22nd, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And this is a course that we have seen in the rotation before. It's held the U.S. Open three times, the PGA Championship on four separate occasions. The last time we saw it for a major, of course, the 07 PGA Championship who 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 won that one Andy I can't remember
1: I, I think it was that Tiger guy I've, I've heard, heard of, of him, him. Yeah, yeah he's good at <laughs> golf
0: he's very good at golf Okay tell us about Southern Hills
1: Okay so this is a Perry Maxwell design um 1936 but Gil Hance um, who actually also did the renovation for the country club. So big year for Gil Hans Ooh, big year. did. Yeah. Did this massive renovation in 2019. So what we saw in 2007, it's going to look a lot different this year. They've lengthened it. It's most likely going to play as a par 70, um, almost 7,500 yards. So Mm. it's a, it's a long, it's a long course. And the thing about Perry Maxwell is he was actually Alistair McKenzie's design partner. Um, they worked on a bunch of courses together from crystal downs to Augusta, like Perry Maxwell has done a lot of work on those Augusta greens as well. So one comparison that you're going to hear very, very often in the months leading up, Rick is the Augusta national comparison to Southern Hills. Interesting. And if you, if you look at pictures of it, um, it makes a lot of sense, right? There, Big, large grass greens. It's mm-hmm. a big rolling piece of property. There's kind of this stream that meanders throughout the entire property. Big um, sloping bunkers and and you know relatively wide off the tee. But I would say the one thing that I would say that's different about Southern Hills than Augusta is. There's some pretty gnarly Bermuda rough at Southern Hills. So Augusta, you can swing away a little bit more off the tee. And yeah. um, Southern Hills, you have to be a little more careful with that. Tiger did not hit a lot of drivers at Southern Hills.
0: Yeah, we had talked about this previously, where it was a lot of irons off the tee for Tiger in 07. And uh, obviously, if they if they extend the course, which would be about maybe 350 yards longer based on kind of what we know from right now as it was in 07. But, of course, guys are generally longer off the tee now on average. Do do you expect that to be kind of a similar strategy, guys going less than driver, putting themselves
1: in the fairway to not get into the penal rough? I think you have to, I think hmm. you have to a little bit here. I think guys will still hit drivers. There's, there's definitely a couple of driver holes. I played it a year ago and my one takeaway was like, man, I think I would have scored so much better if I laid back a little bit more <laughs> off the tee. Like what's interesting about It's it's the same thing as Augusta Rick. Like there's no flat lies, right? right. It's a really rolling piece of property. So you're going to be hitting like, you're going to be hitting six irons off of, you know, a downhill sidehill lie into a tabletop green that's running 12 on the stint meter. Like it's going to be a real test, Rick. It's going to be, I- I'm really excited for it.
0: One thing we, we always hear about those like uneven lies and that's a skill. It's, it's certainly a yeah. skill because, and, and I always go back to a quote from uh, Jordan Spieth. This had to have been mm-hmm. years ago, but it's basically like, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't go bang balls at the driving range. Like I played golf and I got myself in a lot of ball above your feet, ball below your feet, situations that you only encounter on the golf course, not on a perfectly flat mat or grass section of the driving range where anybody can hone that in. And then when they get out on the golf course, they're a little bit uncomfortable because they can't get those driving range like shots.
1: And yeah, not to step on, um, the other courses, but you bring up Jordan Spieth. (laughs) I think you could make a pretty compelling case, Rick, that if you pulled all of the elite players on the PGA tour, who is the most happy that these are the major venues? Um, I would say this probably plays into Jordan Spieth's hands the most, um, it, it is, I could see Jordan Speeth having a very good time at Southern Hills.
0: So we're going to we're we're going to talk about this at the end cuz I have the odds for the major championships, but I I have been um you know, I didn't even really realize that Southern Hills might be a good spot for him and I was kind of saying, "Hey, there might be three really good spots for Speeth this year. There might be like four really good four. spots for him." Yeah, this yeah. this is this is a slate that's setting up really really well for Jordan it seems
1: like. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is a- you know, it's a, it's a big golf course, but it's not an overly long golf course. Like it's not a course that your Jordan Spies and your Patrick Reed's and your cam Smiths can't compete at. Like last year, the ocean course played about 7,700 yards, right? This is not going to play 7,700 right. yards. So, um, it is a little bit more of a positional golf course, right? So you're going to see, I think what's going to be a very interesting championship. Uh,
0: most people have already handed the PGA Championship to Victor Hovland, which, listen, I would be absolutely thrilled about. But it's mostly, I assume, because of the Oklahoma ties and the fact that people are super bullish on Victor Hovland this year. He's currently 22-1 to to win the PGA Championship. But should we be making more comps to Augusta? Are there a couple of names that we should be keeping an eye on? We mentioned Jordan Spieth that could potentially set up well for Southern Hills.
1: I worry about Hovland short game at Southern Hills. And that's why I did. And that's why I did this whole deep dive on the architectures. It's I think with the majors, we get so excited to bet guys in December and January, but Southern Hills is it's a very nuanced and interesting course. And some of the shots that you have around the green, you're not going to really see them anywhere. And Hovland short game is vastly improved. um, But I still I would still worry about him at, at, you know, with some of the short game stuff, I think Brooks Kepka, very easy answer, but I think Brooks Kepka sets out really well here. I trust Brooks mm. on classical surgical golf courses um with very fast greens and right. I, I think that and bermuda and bermuda rough which which brooks has some nice experience with um so i, I mean hovland is talented as hell and you know he will be there are a couple of guys like a couple i would imagine the entire oklahoma state squad has played this course before um so but yeah i was kind of looking at spieth and brooks would be my guys
0: I think that probably one of the biggest mistakes, and I'm guilty of this as well, is making these future wagers based on – Oh, you know, guy wins in November, better go check his master's number, or better go check his US Open number, his Open Championship number, whatever it ends up being, but not really knowing anything about the course until the week of, which is why I wanted to do this now, start like building this wealth of knowledge as we are leading into the weeks and months away for major championships, because most people will not be introduced to these courses until the Monday of major week.
1: Yeah, and Rick, we'll get to Brookline, but the U.S. Open last year, it would—it's it, a seven, it's almost a thousand-yard difference in how long these courses are playing. It, it would be like if somebody said, "Hey, I'm going to place a future on someone to win." at Colonial. And then they find out the week of that. It's at like a golf course in Alaska. It's like, there's, these are very, very different nuanced venues. So I, I agree with you, Rick. I would definitely, um, say that as well. All right, well,
0: let's get to the U S open June 16th to the 19th Brookline, Massachusetts and the country club. Now, Andy, you know, you know, it's old when its name is the country club like that is it's 100, 1882 140 years old that is my favorite part already
1: so this was one of the <sighs> trivia time this was one of the five founding clubs of the usga can you name the other four? Oh god um i don't think i could i don't think i could no shinnecock chicago golf club newport chicago country club, golf and, club yeah newport was, Country club and st andrews golf club yeah, yeah. So this is old. This is as traditional as old school as it gets. Um, it's a course that we haven't really seen since the 2013 U.S. Amateur won by Matthew Fitzpatrick. Although there's been a a very infamous Ryder Cup here in 1999. Everyone mm-hmm. remembers that Justin Leonard pose. But it's a par <laughs> seventy. Rick. It measures seven thousand two hundred and sixty four yards. The greens are absolutely microscopic. That's I mean, what I they, keep
0: hearing. Yeah. They
1: are tiny, tiny, tiny greens. And it's a very claustrophobic piece of land. Okay. Right. Um, so, again, this is not at all like Tory Pines. Like Tory Pines mm-hmm. was, from a strategic standpoint, it had a very homogenous strategy at Tory Pines. Can you hit the ball extremely far? And can you hit a four iron with a high draw, right? Like mm. many of the holes were asking you to do the exact same thing over and over again. The country club is going to ask you to rely on a much different skill set, right? You're going to have to be very accurate. It's going to require a lot of creativity around the mm. greens because people are going to be inevitably missing those greens.
0: When you say claustrophobic,
1: and I think of U S opens my, my brain immediately goes to Marion. Are Mm
0: -hmm. there, are there kind of similarities
1: in in that aspect? There are tons of similarities. Marion, I would say is the best comp to the country club. Okay. Um, I would say, uh, Olympic isn't bad either. Olympic is another one of those. We saw Webb win there, and this is one of those, and Mm. this is one of those venues, Rick, where you look at those leaderboards from an Olympic us open or a Marion us open. And it's like, Marion was the year that Billy Horschel contended and almost won a us open. Marion was the year that Luke Donald contended and almost won a us open. Like, I love that. Like, this is, this is what we get this year, Rick At, at Torrey Pines. 75% 75% of the field was out of it before they even teed up.
0: Yeah, it, it does bring a lot of the field back into it. Okay, so when you're describing microscopic greens, having to be creative around the greens, two names immediately come to mind. One, Jordan Spieth, who we've talked about. If everyone's missing the green, give me the guy with the short game magic. Or maybe the other way, Andy, is never, ever, ever miss a green. And, and maybe Colin Morikawa wins this thing and adds another major championship to his resume.
1: That's it right there. There's kind (laughs) of, there's, there's two ways to look at it, but that was my exact breakdown as well. It's either there's two angles that you can take. It's either, elite iron players or elite short game guys. And I could see it going either way, right? Like we saw at winged foot before what happens when they make the fairway so narrow that everyone's going to miss them. Right. And, and so that's, that's kind of what we could see here. If they make the green so, so small and everyone's missing them and suddenly it turns into a chip off. That's what it's going to come down to, Rick, in my opinion. I think that is going to be once people start figuring out, they start seeing pictures. You can already go back on the YouTube page and watch the highlights from Matthew Fitzpatrick's uh, USM. But once the information starts filtering in, it's going to be all about these greens.
0: All about the greens. Okay, well, we'll keep an eye on that. And it leaves us with... The Open Championship at St. Andrews. Now they move they moved this up in the rota, right? To get it to be 150th, because this is the 150th Open Championship. And I'm pretty sure St. Andrews was supposed to be next year in the Rota, but they moved it up to bring it uh to bring it full circle. Is that correct?
1: Or am I making that up? No, I, I think you're right about that. They usually like do it, I think. So St. Andrews, they usually like doing it on like 2010, 2015. They usually, and yes. I think you're right. Every I think five they years. Moved, yeah, I think they moved it up specifically to get the anniversary in.
0: Right, because the last time we saw it was 2015. So yeah, it was 15, 2010, 2005, 2000, 1995, 1990. They've been on this for uh, basically 30 years, and now we get 2022. And this is, um, you know, we have not spoken the name of, well, I guess we have said Tiger Woods in this uh, in this pod, but actually, in terms of competing, Andy, this one has been the spot that people think either Tiger will come back at or the first major championship. And the reason that people tend to think that is it's it's at the end, right? He's got more time; he can kind of get his body in shape. But a flat piece of land, uh, not necessarily a grueling walk like some of these other venues are going to be. Most people are penciling expecting to see kind of tiger woods play this one
1: this would make the most sense as you mentioned it's not a difficult walk he's obviously had a ton of success at saint andrews before there are a lot of ways to win at saint andrews rick like there's part of me that thinks that bryson is going to win at 30 under this year and there's also you know zach johnson um has won a major here. Like um Speath has been great. This is a great course for Speeth too. So I, I right. think St. Andrews it falls into that category with uh Augusta. And we talked about with Southern Hills a lot. There's a lot of nuance to St. Andrews, Rick. So if they put the pin on the left side of the green one day, I mean, it c- can completely change from if it's on the right side, more so than any other course. You'll ever see the fairways are absolutely massive. So where they put the pins right. completely changes the strategies of the hole. And I think the experience that Tiger Woods has here would really help them.
0: These fairways uh often are two holes wide. You could be uh-huh. you can't miss them if Double. you if you tried, but you are constantly trying to avoid pot bunkers or whatever might come into play. Do do you think that St. Andrews introduces more randomness or less randomness than kind of your average open championship?
1: Probably more when you throw the wind in there as right. well. Like that's yeah. the thing that I always advise with the open championship is like their years, like it happened at Royal Troon when Phil Mickelson and Henrik Stenson had that duel where half the field is wiped out based on the draw, right? right. So there's, just there's you're
0: on the wrong end of the draw. Sorry, kid, go home. Catch you next
1: time. (laughs) It's kind of a silly market to bet into early, but I think we can, I'll say this about St. Andrews, Rick. If we do not get wind, I think this will play significantly easier than the other three majors this year. Okay.
0: Fair enough. I mean, it's there's, uh, it's this, this course, there's only so much, I suppose, that you can do with it. But what I love about an Open Championship, and you mentioned Jordan Speeth and the thing that it comes back uh, to me on with speeth is creativity, right? A good mm-hmm. Open Championship in St. Andrews, uh, specifically, it gives you options, and then you have to choose one of the options, right? There's a lot of times in American golf where the option is to play the ball through the air. It's to take a wedge, open it up, hit a flop shot. Uh, that is not necessarily necessarily the case when you get uh, overseas and you get to a specifically an open championship and now you have options and the guys that kind of figure that out better than others seem to be the ones that are having the most success
1: uh wreck you're you're speaking my language, you're tugging at my heart. Golf was intended to be played on the ground, not through the air. People forget that a lot, and so you come to these places, and yes, there is an element of randomness here, like the um the thing that I've talked about this on the scramble before players have never had more control over their golf ball because of equipment, and they're just firing at pins and it's target golf. You can't really do that at St Andrews. You have there you have to take different routes to some of these greens. You have to roll it up there. Sometimes you have to use a putter from 50 yards out is the more sensible play. Like there's just it's so it's so much more interesting to me than watching them just hit high wedge shots at soft green. So, yeah, I think that this is probably the hardest major to predict and also the most fun one. I think Brooks Kepka
0: said last year something to the effect of I'm 160 yards away and I have eight different clubs that I could hit or something like that and and that can be overload for guys right where it's normally okay 160 I know what club that is I'm just going to hit my stock 160 when you have to start processing all of these different opportunities and options for your shots and you have to do that over 72 holes multiple times every some of these guys brains short circuit and they just can't
1: handle it which is the thing with Bryson right i think that i think that's probably you know i've heard takes before about bryson on undulating golf courses, right? Like he's had more success at kind of a macro level on flat golf courses. I I think there might be something to the fact that when the calculations rev up and there's more things to compute, um, that can be difficult for certain players. What's interesting about St. Andrews, though, that I'm kind of worried about slash keen to figure out is – it's very hard for St. Andrews at this point to keep up with technology. Like there's very little that St. Andrews can do. There's already tee boxes, Rick, that are like 150 yards away from the greens. Like they cannot stretch this out much farther at all without having to place a tee box in the middle of the town. Um, So what I worry about with St. Andrews is, can you bomb and gouge it? Right. Like, can you, Take the Bryson approach, right? Because mm. I, no one thought he could do that at winged foot, and he found a way. And I, that's what I'm interested to see about with Saint Andrews.
0: Okay, well, I've pulled up the odds to win a single major. These are the odds that we have here, and the one that immediately jumps out to me because we've talked about him countless times. Uh, Jordan Spieth, he's plus three eighty. I've seen this anywhere from plus 350 to plus 450 this uh based on our conversation based on what i thought coming into our conversation uh, feels like four really good cracks at it for speed
1: yeah speed would be my i mean i would say speed Bru- is speed's number i would assume speed's number is a little better than brooks's brooks is plus 400 okay yeah I'm okay. What's more call is just out of curiosity.
0: Yeah. So, so the big, so more is plus 300. That's one of the shorter ones. Uh, Rory is also plus 300 and then John Rahm plus plus one
1: eighty five. Hmm. I like Spieth and Brooks the most for that bet. I like the number with Spieth and Brooks the most probably. What about you?
0: I, I'm done playing the Brooks Kepka like, like, I, like just fire up Brooks at majors. I'm, I'm on board, right? Like there was yeah. the time where I was thinking, oh no, he can't, he cannot keep up this rate of playing like this in majors and not playing all that particularly well, um, at PGA or at, at PGA tour events. And then you look and what half of his, half of his major starts are top tens and I'm just, I'm just done with it. So yeah, I'm on board with, with Brooks, uh, at major championships, Um, you know, can't lay at five to one, can't lay at plus five. He's, he's got everything, but the history of major championships. Does that matter?
1: I think, yeah, I mean, he was, he, I like can't lay at all of these courses. I think can't lay has such a well-rounded skill set, and, and, you know, a place like Augusta, he, he was good. You know, Augusta is probably the place where he's had the most success, the tiger year, um, he was in the mex. Um, so yeah, i I like Cantley. I, I like I think Xander is gonna break through this year. Um, I think that all of these courses set up pretty damn well for Xander. What's the Xander number?
0: Yeah, so I I kept a secondary number for you here as well. So Xander is plus 400 to win a major, but I like this one too. You can also bet, so you can bet a guy to finish top 10 in all four majors. And we went through this the other day. Like this happens at least more frequently than I thought it did. Xander yeah. is 50 to one to finish inside the top 10 at all four, which, you know, He's he's a contender, right? We we talk about, does he win enough? No one ever says, does Xander
1: contend enough? That is a great bet, ladies and gentlemen. 50 to <laughs> 1, I like that a lot. That is a very good number. I fully endorse that. Yeah, I think these are all good spots for Xander. Um, and yeah, I think he'll be in the mix at at least two or three of them. Two final
0: thoughts here. So Xander has finished inside the top 10 in nine of his 18 major championships, half of them, if you're mm. bad at math. Uh, Patrick Cantlay, on the other hand, uh, the kind of shoddy uh, major championship history. So he's played 19 majors. He has two top tens. You're right. One of his best finishes was that 19 Masters. He finished T9. And in the same year, the PGA Championship, he finished T3. Those are by far his his best results.
1: Yeah. Xander's the only guy since Ben Hogan to finish top five in his first four U S opens or top 10 in his first four U S opens. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, there is understanding USGA setups is a skill, right? And like Brooks mastered it. And Xander seems like he's mastering it really quickly. I think Patrick Cantlay will be able to figure it out. I think he's a very patient player. He doesn't, um, it's so mental with major championships, Rick. It's, it's so much yeah. like you listen to Brooks and Spieth talk about like peaking at the right time during the tournament, like pacing yourself, never getting too high, too low. And Cantley has all that. Like Cantley has those tools. So I, I, I'm very bullish on Cantley's chances in the majors this year.
0: Andy Lack can be found on Twitter at adp lack sports and of course with me on the scramble every tuesday and friday on the rick run good youtube channel and the 300 yards to unknown podcast feed andy there is no better person i'd rather pick their brain thank you very much for the knowledge dump this time around
1: anytime buddy anytime you have like an architecture need grab me and steve will give you probably way more than you ever wanted